Coast to Coast AM, Connie Willis here. It is fall. It is actually where I'm at. It's like there's like a foot of snow out there. <laughs> so who knows where it, what's going on where you are. But tis the season. Halloween is here. Willis Ween with us tonight. We're having uh, great uh, uh encounters and information that's all spooky the dark arts that we had with mr sam sharon and now we're going to be talking to who's a friend of mine who i met oh my gosh he will probably remember the date the year the minute he's amazing with his memory he he is a he's a researcher for sure but um frank Fashino junior junior he has studied a lot of you know um his work as the Flatwoods monster, the Braxton County monster, uh, shoot them. Uh, by the way, the book is the Braxton County monster, but some of you would know him as the Flatwoods monster. That's how he would always say it to me. I go, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, also his book, uh, shoot them down the flying saucer air wars of 1952. Um, all these stories, these encounters, these events. I mean, let me tell you, Frank has, he will track down the facts and he will get more facts within those facts. I'm not sure when he started studying this, we'll ask him, but he continues like on a daily basis. This is all he does. <laughs> Once in a while, I think he might eat. Once in a while, he'll t- he's got a great sense of humor. He'll tell a joke. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just amazed. I'm glad to call him a friend. He's straight up. He'll, um, you've seen him probably on some shows. I know that I believe, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and pull you up here, Frank. Uh, welcome again to Coast to Coast AM. It's been a while since you've been on here and it's a while since you and I have seen each other. Yeah. Great to be back, Connie. Yeah. Now I remember when I first met you, you, I had, I had called you to say, Hey, I'm putting together a, uh, I was actually putting together a reel that was what I ended up giving to the head, the president of Premier Network that that has Coast to Coast, and uh, they hired me. I had no idea that you know, it was like, but but the piece of uh, my audition reel, you were on it. So thank you so much for that help. <laughs> That's what you did for me no a long time ago, years ago, years ago. It was great, but you you put that reel together with me, along with some really great people, Roger Lear at the time, uh, Jacobs, um, uh, just a lot of really great names, and you're right there along with them. Frank, when I had first met you and we were doing this together, you were having a problem with Monster Quest. Do you remember that? I think some words kind of changed in the context of doing that show oh, yeah. with your story. Yeah, I, I remember that well. Did a week shoot up in Flatwoods. We, I got my team together. I was allowed to handpick whoever I wanted. And uh, it was a story about the Flatwoods monster, and they never talked about the Flatwoods monster. They talked about the Frametown monster, which was the following night. And uh, it was kind of disappointing, but we just keep moving on. And uh, <laughs> we did our, our show uh, a few years ago, Connie. I had another book that came out, and I saw you last in Philadelphia. That's yeah. when uh, Travis Walton was up there with me. And uh, I have uh, quite a few more uh, pieces of information that I've come out with. And I'm getting more witnesses and uh, more information. So you're right. It's never ending. It it's never ending. took me over. <laughs> I know. When, when did that happen? I, you know, I want to get into the story. In you know? Oh, geez. And that was uh, it. Relatives up in uh, 
Flatwoods and Frametown, where both incidents took place. And that's how I became involved in it. So I kind of just stumbled into it, saw a newspaper article, and then it was like an anniversary story. And then I drove into Flatwoods, and I saw this big, gigantic sign, Welcome to Flatwoods, Home of the Green Monster. And that started it all. Oh, man, it's never changed. He hasn't aged. He hasn't got married, no kids yet. He's just still doing this. Again, he has not aged. He's just in a time warp. And it's, it's so true, though. It is so true. So, okay, I want to start from the beginning because I, I remember at one point, like, okay, the flat was monster. And then, but you tied in everything. You, you tie in everything unbelievably. And where it's not tied in, you you go into those gaps of any stories and you find out the answer. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get the letters that you've gotten. But you know what? Be- tell us what we're going to hear tonight and just move on into it. Because I, did, I, I, I know we never have enough time for what you have found. Well, basically, Connie, the Flatwoods Monster or Braxton Connie Monster, and I'll clear that up right off the bat. There was a bunch of different names for this when it hit the press shortly after uh, the incident happened on September 1252. And Flatwoods wasn't even on the map. It's just a small little tiny town in the middle of the mountains. There was about 300 people that lived there at the time. And when the story hit the press, nobody knew where Flatwoods was. There wasn't a dot on the map for it. So they changed the name basically to the Braxton County monster, because everybody knew where Braxton County was. It's the central part of the state. So that's how it went from basically the Flatwoods uh, monster to the Braxton County monster. Now, now, I know. Since my research and books came out years ago, um, now everybody in the world knows about it. Yeah. Well, and there's cool. And there's cool. Did you see? Did you see what Mr. Sam Sheeran uh, drew? And yeah, yeah, I was listening to the show, Connie. Great okay. interview. Did, oh, thank you. Did Did you see what he what he draw, draw or drew? I, I or? saw the one illustration on uh, the okay. cover page there. Yeah, yeah it's there you great go. Work. You have that background too. You studied illustration, commercial art, photography. So you know that's yeah, that I really comes to, in. Uh, Para College of Art in New Haven, Connecticut, four nice. years, and it's up near Yale University in Connecticut. Nice. That's well, where I did my training, and uh, that was actually uh, a long time ago, and my best work has been coming out recently, and I have so much more stuff, Connie. I keep uh, working on this. And I know. I can vouch. Well, what one of the things I liked is I think you – I can't remember if you you went to schools maybe and talked about this. I, I just know I remember you talking about kids really loved meeting you. And because what are you? You're like eight foot three. So they all kind of <laughs> kid about you being the Flatwoods Monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when uh, I was doing some of my book tours up in West Virginia, uh, my promoter up there, Larry Bailey, he um, had hooked me up with going to some of the schools, high schools, elementary schools. And I would go and I would do like a meet and greet with the kids. And since I'm an illustrator, I would draw in front of the class the old monster, which was the misrepresentation of it. And then I would explain by working with uh, witnesses what it actually looked like. And it was decades before anybody actually knew what it was. The Flatwoods monster wasn't a... Uh, a scary monster with a hood with arms and claws. It was actually uh, like a, a, 
a huge hovercraft type device, like a spacesuit, and it was mm. metallic. And when uh, the witnesses went on a talk show a week after the incident in New York, the sketch artist sat down and he drew this ridiculous picture. And that's what we're seeing for all of those years until oh. I came into the picture and started working with the witnesses. And I did basically police-style renderings. I would sit down with the witnesses, and they would just talk, no, it didn't look like this, more like this. And then I would hand them the pencil, and we went back and forth. So then I had working uh, sketches. Then I worked my way into comprehensive uh, sketches and drawings, and then I would meet them and I would do the final paintings. So that's how we know this is what this thing actually looked like. Oh, it was okay. Like a robotic looking giant figure. Okay. And, and I'm sorry, I know you're not eight foot three. What are you, six? What? Six foot five. <laughs> I was close, <laughs> but that was what was cute because you play you play that game with them too. You have fun with the kids and you have fun with everybody. You're into this very seriously. However, you have a great sense of humor, a lot of fun to be around, and yeah, definitely you to, a good. You friend. have to do that sometimes because yeah. you go crazy. Yeah. If you uh, just get involved with this, twenty four so hours true. a day. It's so true. A little leisure. It's so true. I, I've had people along the way when I laugh, you know, like you and I will laugh about things that, and some other people that were abductees and contactees and whatever they might want to call themselves. And I'll get some letters. Oh, that was a very, you know, that's a very scary thing. And you all are laughing. And, and uh, you know, I'll talk with that other person, too. And we'll continue to laugh because we're like, you have to or you will just freak out. You just you can't no, go can't back from that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So do the, do, does the Brax, does the Flatwoods monster, let me go with that one. That was kind of, that's my kind of uh, name for it, but <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is, is that and the shoot them down flying saucer airway, are they one in the same? Well, how I tied the whole story in Connie, it's uh, kind of like the whole backstory to this is the whole year in 1952 and 1952 had the, uh, uh, total reported sightings ahead the most at 1,501, and that was for the Project Blue Book reports. And it's called the nickname Summer of the Saucers. And uh, there was a flap around the world of uh, or, or wave of UFO sightings, especially in the United States. And it started ramping up from June up to September, and these sightings uh, were, a lot of them were primarily uh, took place over the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic area. And the famous ones are the July 19th and 20th and July 26th, 27 weekends where the UFOs flew over D.C. and Virginia and jets were scrambled after them. So there was activity basically every night, every day throughout the United States during that summer. That was a famous picture, too, right, in the newspaper, right, where there were... Yeah, where they showed the UFOs up. over the Capitol in the background. Yeah, but how I come that's what I talked that, about? Every time I look something up about that, you know, now they're saying it's fake. <laughs> it's oh, wild. come on. <laughs> what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I, I don't know, Connie. I, I have no idea. That it's been great. around for years, and, it, and all of a sudden now it's fake. So Yeah, but yeah. But there were sightings, you know, Project Blue Book documented all these cases very heavily, and most people haven't even taken out the 
Project Blue Book microfilms and read them. It's kind of boring and it's hard to understand because it's an Air Force talk. And I pulled out for the Washington sightings going all the way into Flatwoods, which was the end of the summer. I pulled the documents off a microfilm, and they were hard to read, Connie. First of all, they were faded through the reproduction uh, reproduction process, and uh, it took me years just to rethink them and go over and enlarge them and enlarge them so I can understand what they were saying. And that, that was about five years just I'm an illustrator and I studied calligraphy, I was able to understand the the text and the writing of what the witnesses had written into the Air Force for the descriptions of the objects. So it it was a lot of work on that part before I even started getting deeper into it and piecing this whole thing together. You have to understand what was going on. And then once I got all of that documentation, then I started interviewing some of the witnesses and Flatwoods. And that wasn't fun at the beginning because I'm from uh, the Connecticut and I'm deep in the mountains of West Virginia and they didn't take a liking to me right off the bat. <laughs> and I'm like, what you do a messing around these parts, boy? You don't like, boy. around here. <laughs> yeah, and I had them flashing open their jackets with uh, show me their guns saying it's not a good idea to hang around here. So I started hanging around with my cousins. and You didn't pull uh, your gun out? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm not a good shot, so I always had somebody with me that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bring my friends that pack. Exactly. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. So from that point forward, it, it just kept snowballing. And then uh, one of the main breakthroughs in my story was I tracked down Kathleen May, who was the primary witness, who was the closest one to the Flatwoods Monster. And uh, then I spoke to her son. She has another son I spoke to. And then I started tracking down the witnesses. But my biggest break is I interviewed Colonel Dale Levitt. And Colonel Dale Levitt, uh, back when I interviewed him, he lived in Sutton, which is the county seat in uh, Braxton County. And Mrs. May actually hooked it up for me. She says, don't go in cold talking to Levitt, because he doesn't like talking about this story too much, and he doesn't reveal a lot. But uh, she hooked it up, and I eventually met Colonel Levitt. He was up at the crash site in Flatwoods with about 50 troops. He was called by the Air Force from Washington, D.C. And they troops? were um, given orders to go to Flatwoods and get crash samples and investigate the, the area. And what's interesting during Levitt's interview is uh, he said something was a cover-up. And as we went further into the story, and this is on videotape too, some of it is released on YouTube in one of my little documentaries. And then uh, Leva also goes on to talk about how he gathered up the samples of what he had found, and he shifted them back off to Washington. It, it was an incredible interview, and as far as I know, it's the only one in existence because he died shortly after that. Mm. Mm. Well, you pulled people out of the woodwork and talked to people that nobody even had any idea that they were a part of it, and you found letters and all sorts of stuff. Neck. <laughs> I, said it before, Connie. It got, I was bothering Levitt so much, 
It was either to the point where he was going to shoot me or he was going to talk to me. <laughs> and he ended thank, up talking to me. Thank it's goodness like he went, went that route. Hey, hey, Colonel. And that's what everybody called him up there. Colonel. You know, it's not like I just waltzed in there and he did an interview. He actually broke down the first time and I did an interview with him. And my mom and I, because we were visiting relatives up there at the time, we picked the colonel up and we went on to the farm and he explained the story to me. But he wouldn't let me uh, tape him. It was even worse because now I knew what was going on. He was up there uh, the following day and for following weeks with his troops, Connie. And it was for crowd control. And it was well known because it was estimated there was about 10,000 people that went into Flatwoods in the first four to six weeks. Now, you can imagine that many people in a little town of 300 people. When you bat your eyes, you're from one end of the town to the other. So the National Guard was up there. This is and this is Flatwoods. What 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 state is this? That's West Virginia. Flat, in West Virginia, West Virginia. Okay. And, and it's actually the geographical center of the state. And if you looked at a map, it's like Bullseye Center. And if you look a little over two hundred miles east, is Washington D.C. And that interesting, which we'll get into later. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it was a fun interview in Levy. And once I found out that he was actually up there that night, actually early morning uh, on the 13th with 50 troops, he actually was uh, ordered to go into the area of uh, down the road a few miles. There was another crash of another UFO. And this is not isolated. What I found out, Connie, is Flatwoods was actually the end of the story. And oh. that is what the the whole main you know point of my research is. I started right. in Flatwoods, and then I worked in reverse, and I followed the flight paths of all the UFOs. And when I got deeper into it, there was about 21 hours of sustained UFO sightings across the United States that night. And I okay. was able to pinpoint, since our last interview, Connie, I had 102 locations where UFOs were seen. Well, after doing so many radio shows and public appearances, um, I have it bumped up to 116 now. Oh, so no. Hold, hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. When we come back, we're going to start it all from the beginning chronologically, get that visual of all these things that occurred so you'll know what his research has presented and what has happened, and you'll be, like, blown away. It's... um. Frank Fischino Jr. that is with us. He's got a couple books out there. Braxton County Monster, Shoot Them Down, The Flying Saucer Air Wars of 1952. Apparently more uh, to come with all that. And uh, you can go to his website, flatwoodsmonster.com, to learn more. Stay with us. Connie Willis here, Willis Ween, Coast to Coast AM. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Hi there, I'm Connie Willis. Fall is here. Halloween coming up, Ghost to Ghost on Tuesday night. Currently, Willis Ween with Connie here. And if you'd like to learn more about me, please go to my website. I got lots of fun shows on there that you can join and live investigations of some 
creepy things out there that are real. It's not a one-on-one. It's the real deal, real boots on the ground, really looking for the real things and being in the areas that they really are so that we can learn more and more. And it's really more about communication. It's not really uh, throwing out measuring sticks and, and uh, you know, trying to do scientific studies. Not that at all. It's a, I, I do something totally different. And thank you, God, for that. It's uh, communication and uh, what we can learn from them for sure, because I think they have all the answers. No doubt about that. Go to ConnieWillis.com, sign up for one of my shows, Blue Rock Talk, Connie After Dark, or just, you know, get the newsletter. But I hope you join up for the shows. That's uh, that's where all the activity is happening and become a Blue Rocker. Willis Ween, more wonderful, spooky, crazy stuff that is real. We want to thank Mr. Sam Sheeran again for uh, joining us earlier. And now we're talking with Frank Fashino Jr. Last time you were here, Frank, you were with uh, Whitley Strieber, and this was back in 2008. And, and what, what did I meet you, like 2010 or? Uh, yeah. Remember? About 2010, right? 2011. Okay. And then oh. uh, there was that New York uh, bit there where we were up there around yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then I saw you in Philadelphia after that and a couple places in between at different conventions and whatnot. Yeah. Now, are you doing any of that now? Are you running around a different... Uh... No, I'm actually, uh, I've been p- compiling my new information and working on new illustrations and uh, new maps. Uh, I updated my main master map, and I'm working on other maps, and I just finished one up to do about the missing pilots. And uh, I'm basically uh, getting everything together, and Connie, I now I'm about 30 years into this project. I have so oh, much man. stuff, it's overwhelming. <laughs> It is like over right now. I have a four to five hundred pages of documents spread out on an eight foot table. Oh my. <laughs> I like to get the facts and straightforward, and I can't remember every single detail. But, anyways, uh, I'm getting ready uh, and I'm open uh, to talk to producers for a movie. Yeah. I actually had one offer last year and I turned it down. Well, I set you up I with somebody at one point. I set you up with that one. We'll have to talk to him again, right? We'll have to talk to him again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the other thing uh, didn't go through. I had my attorneys look into it, and oh. you don't even want to know what they said. Basically, it was no. no. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I have everything ready and rocking. Good. But, uh, Back we'll to start the Flatwoods with... thing to get into yeah, a well... deep dive, Connie, so we can do a timeline so your listeners understand. Yeah, please, because I want on. that visual. I want you to take us all there because, you know, that's the big thing. Is what, is, what does all this look like? What are we seeing? What What is actually happening well, in real time? And then what did you find out? What I'm going to explain, we're going to go back to 1952, what I talked about earlier, Connie. Okay, Project Blue Book, they were in charge of, of investigating, evaluating the UFO reports. And in 1952, we had 1,501 reported sightings to the Air Force. Now, out of those 1,501, 303 were unidentified. Now, check this out, Connie. June, July, August, and September, there was 1,134 of those reports just during the summer out of the 1,501. And there was 111 unknowns. So there was a lot of activity going on. Wow. Now, and all of this stuff is going on. When I started researching and looking into the newspaper articles, I started pulling out articles. And what had happened is the famous July 29th, 52 press conference at the Pentagon. 
that was after the second uh, weekend of the Washington sighting. So the United States public was really wanting to know what was going on. They were getting uh, nervous about all of these sightings, and it was basically a daily occurrence. And during that uh, press conference, Major General Roger Ramey, he was a deputy uh, chief of the Air Force staff for operations, then you know that name from Roswell, yeah. uh, he told the conference that interceptor planes have raced aloft several hundred times as a result of reported sightings of unidentified objects. He said that was just standard procedure. Well, shortly after that, then it was released. They weren't just up there chasing them and taking uh, pictures of them. They were actually had orders, Connie, to shoot them down. Mm. And that was not too well known. Now, when I was working with Stanton Friedman back in the early days, I brought this point up to him. We kept looking deeper into it, and there's not a lot known about it. There's just a handful of uh, newspaper articles. And uh, the main ones are, uh, like, for instance, Connie, we had the Fall River, Massachusetts Herald News. Their headline said, Jets told to shoot down flying discs. Mm. And then we have... Um, a couple other ones, and uh, at first they were real quiet about it. They just said they were up there chasing them, and there were scrambles, you know, like Air Force alerts jets to chase flying saucers. Well, they weren't just chasing them. And then one of the biggest ones um, that occurred was when Lieutenant Monsell Mont, he was the public information officer for the Air Force, he said the jet pilots are and have been underwaters to investigate unidentified objects and to shoot them down if they can't talk them down. And that's what opened up the whole can of worms. They were chasing them, Connie. Then I looked into the Project Blue Book Unknowns for 1952, and I reviewed every single one of the unknown cases, and I found out there were several uh, encounters. I found 12 jet UFO encounters where there were interactions that were actually recorded in Blue Book for 1952. And uh, I just kept digging deeper and deeper into it. And then when I started with my Flatwood story, I started going outside of Flatwoods, and that's when I found out there was a big UFO flapping waves of hours of UFO sightings of UFOs coming over the eastern seaboard. And the main thing is the flame of Washington, which was reported in the newspaper, that was actually the Flatwoods monster craft. And as I said earlier, it's about 200 miles Washington to Flatwoods. And the object actually came over the eastern seaboard, passed over Washington, D.C. In certain points of D.C., it was actually a treetop level. And it flew across Virginia, went into Braxton County, and the northern end made a turn and headed south, and it came into Flatwoods. So then I went from there, Connie, and it just went crazy over 30 years, all these different locations. You know, it's funny, they talk about, you know, they, we always say they, military government talk about, like, uh, like there's nothing ever going on. But look at all the stuff that you found and, and what was even in the newspapers at the time. I mean, oh, let's just forget that any of that ever happened. Let's all look the other way. It, it makes no sense. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, what happened, Connie, is when I started going through the Project Blue Book, it was amazing what had actually been reported 
by the by the public and there was just a little bit of it okay let me give you for instance uh for the september 12th sightings okay there are um only about a dozen reports and i pinpointed 116 locations what it is is when the people would see a ufo if they wanted to report it to the air force they would send a request and they air force would send back a tentative observers questionnaire they would sign this all these several different pages of documents out and then they would send it back to the air force and it was recorded and they would give the evaluation on it which most of them were all crap anyways connie because flatwoods was written off as a meteor <laughs> 21 hours of sustained ufo sightings was blamed on a meteor that they said was the Washington area meteor. And what that actually was was the Flatwoods Monster Craft in flames when it came over the eastern seaboard. It uh, flew right over the Capitol. Yeah, they, these uh, objects and whoever's flying them, they knew uh, certain key military installations and key points of this uh, country. Now, I want you to tell all your facts that you know. I want to get the total visuals, but I want to ask you, throughout all of this, have you ever thought, oh, this is just Russia or some other human or us time traveling back, or or have you always thought extraterrestrial? Well, once I spoke to the witnesses and I got the description of what this Flatwoods monster looked like. And then when I spoke to the witness who saw it out of its spacesuit the following night, it was it's not Russian unless the Russians are nine feet tall and look like reptilian snakes, because that's what was in the Flatwoods monster craft. And that's what the Flatwoods monster was. It was actually a hovercraft with a being in it. Yeah, okay. and I don't so think tell- any Russians look like that. <laughs> <laughs> they were like uh, go like on those math dot com things. I don't color. know. Okay, it was like a dark gray black. That's what these things look like. So, so start with tell me about the Flatwoods monster incident. Where, when did it occur? How, what happened? It was like something came out of the sky and then landed. And what, what happened? After this thing came over the eastern seaboard and it flew over D.C. Virginia, it hit the northern part of Braxton County, and it was making controlled maneuvers. I have uh, West Virginia witnesses where I pinpointed the flight path of it. And once it hit northern Braxton County, it turned south, and it actually was flying above the road and between the mountains, which makes sense not to crash into the mountains. And when it came down uh, State Route 4, it went into the center of Flatwoods, the small town, and it flew over the Flatwoods Elementary School. And it was uh, approximately 7.15 to 7.25, and all these kids are on the playground. Now, Connie, you have to remember back then uh, there was like one or two television sets in the whole Braxton County uh, you know, that was the tough part for me when I was working with these people is put myself in the mindset of what it was like back then. And these kids looked up and they saw this thing flying over. 
and it was intermittently in flames. It would be in flames, and then the thing actually redirected and turned over to school playground, and, you know, the whole town was there. That's what these kids did on a Friday night. Mm. And the kids all checked it out. They started screaming and yelling. Some said it was a flying saucer. Some of the kids said, oh, it's a meteor. We read about this in school. So they dropped their uh, football game. They took off, and they ran across the street and up Depot Street to the home of Mrs. May. And Kathleen May, too, her boys were within that group. And she had an 18-year-old cousin, Jean Lemon, who um, also was there. And he got together with this group of kids. Some of them chickened out and went home. They were scared. And they wanted to go see what landed on the back part of the farm. What had happened, Connie, is after it went over the school playground, it crossed the road again. It went about a mile or so into the back of the wooded area, and it landed on a plateau. And what's really cool is when I knew the um, old-timers from there, they would take me around which I didn't know. I don't drive, drive in the backwoods of uh, Flatwoods in Braxton County. <laughs> and they were showing me all the areas where you can drive to and look at the landing spot. And it oh. was cool, Connie, because where the landing spot is, I saw it with Jack Davis from about three miles away. Uh, when you look out across the landscape, Connie, all you see is mountains and woods and everything, and then right in the middle, it looks like a big bald spot. Mm. And that's when I'm like, wow, that's where it touched down. And I saw the whole flight path area where it came in, so that made sense. So now this thing landed up in the back part of the woods, and Gene Lemon, uh, Kathleen, grabbed the flashlight, and they headed up with a bunch of the kids. There was a couple dogs that were uh, part of this group. They were actually from the same litter. Uh, Freddie May had a dog, and Gene had a dog. And there was a big collie dog that lived in... Uh, uh, the house right across the street from Maze on Depot Street. So you can imagine all these kids all excited and running and screaming. They want to go up to the back. And now it's starting to get a little bit dark. And uh, Mrs. Maywood told me she was leading the pack with Jean. And, and uh, in the end, we have, uh, there was actually eight, eight kids and uh, together with Mrs. May and Jean. And they, they range from like six six years old, 10, 11, 13, 13, and 14 years old. And then, of course, Kathleen, May, and Jean, the two adults. And they all checked up onto the farm to see what was going on. Depot Street is the access road to the Bailey Fisher Farm. So that's basically the only public access to get up there. And... Uh, when they got up to the crest of the hill, when you look out across this property, I'm going to try and lay this out a little bit for you, Connie. Okay, uh, we'll hold that thought. Okay, hold that thought. We'll come back to it because we got to take a break, but we'll come back to that. Know exactly where you stop, so we'll start, we'll pick right back up from that, and then from there also um, let us know this that this incident happened September twelfth, nineteen fifty two, and uh, you know this is the summer of the saucers, nineteen fifty two, with all the other events happening too. So we'll keep 
learning how it's all threaded together. If anybody knows any detail, it is Frank Fushino. He's the man with the goods. So stay with us here. Willis Ween, Connie Willis, Coast to Coast AM.